22 first what? episode. Bro, you know what I'm saying? Thank you for rocking with us for a whole goddamn year. You know what I'm saying? Got over a thousand views. We bang, doing bang. We doing it, man. 2019. First new first new episode. You know what I'm saying? Happy New Year's to yeah. y'all folks and all of that good stuff. So um, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna try to do quicker episodes, get y'all in and out oh, more right, than right, commute. Right, right. So food for thought, Henry came up with this. Uh, uh, I mean he, it's pretty interesting. So. It actually is. Um, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute denies Angela Davis. Uh, so basically, they rescinded the decision to honor her. With, it was like the dang it. It was like it was it was a, it was a, it was a sort of word. it was like a civil rights. No, icon, I know what it was right? for. What I, yeah. I was trying to get the exact name of the award. I'll pull it up uh, in a second. But the point is, they rescinded their decision to honor her with said award. Um, and it was a lot of things. So to give you the background, Birmingham Mayor Randall Wolfen, who sits on the museum's board, said there were like protests from our Jewish community and some of its allies basically um, backtracking to when like Angela Davis boycotted for the like boycott, diverse and sanctioning movement mm-hmm. um, that had a lot to do with Palestinians. Did I say that right? Palestinians. Uh, people, yeah. Uh, so basically the BDS movement urges individuals, companies, and organizations to boycott Israel because of the country's repeated documented human rights violation of the Palestinian people. Um, and like since this has happened, three board members has have actually stepped down from the Birmingham uh, Civil Rights Institute. Wow. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but like, I guess a cool thing to happen well, like I'll say this, Angela Davis tweeted or put on Facebook basically saying how like this was going to be a highlight of her year because she knew a director um, and then her mom actually worked at the Institute early on when it first was like open. So it's kind of like, dang, you're not going to honor me. That's not yeah. cool. Um, but a Birmingham coalition who opposed it like them like not giving her the award is organizing an alternative event where the details will be released at some point later to date closer to the date um so yeah it's it's interesting interesting, because i remember when you first sent it um i was like either they know and and then this was before you did your digging so you know props to you because i remember we were both like there's either there's something that we don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it was like well i don't know that'd be like or, you know, the equivalent before kind of you did your digging, that'd be like, oh, we're having an event and John Lewis is going to be honored. Oh, we took it back. You'd right. be like, wait, right, what? Why, wait, <laughs> why, why would you what? do that? Is that because she's like one of the most prominent, like, civil rights activists. Especially yeah. who's a woman in, in in an era where women weren't often right, given the right. credit that they deserve. So I think, I think it's definitely interesting. I think um, I'm hearing about the whole issue with, Palestine and you know the Jews. I'm hearing that, so that's really interesting because I know that's a very sensitive topic that often relates to civil rights, but in kind of a in a fascinating way in which people of color or specifically black people often have like different 
issues with civil rights, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely interesting that the coalition. That's what's came interesting together. about it to me because what well, the name of the award is the Fred Shuttlesworth Human Rights Award. Um, Fred Shuttlesworth. Shuttlesworth. Thanks, Noah. <laughs> no, for real. You, I butcher names. I apologize. We all do. But point is, um, that's why I think it's interesting because like Jewish people were like taking it as if she like accused certain people of making certain remarks, something like that. But like she's never made anti-Semitic remarks. So it's kind of yeah. like why are you know you know I mean I think it's it's definitely an interesting thing. I think and this is like something that it would be great to have like a historian on because it's it's so it's so deep and it's so layered the whole aspect of you know like the ramifications of like the Holocaust and all that, right, and, right. and the Jews' conflict with Palestinians, and the, you know Israel and Palestinians, and Gaza Strip, and like it's all it's all such like a layered thing that clearly is older than us. It's older mm-hmm. than our parents. It's older than our grandparents. It's older than like the founding of this country. Like it's so deep and layered that it's often hard to kind of understand where people lie and how they feel. Um, so I mean, shout out to the alternative because. You know, regardless of you know how you feel about what Angela Davis did, she definitely deserves to be honored. Right, honored. So, right. quick heads up. Now we gonna you know we already early into it, but now we are gonna go to the, <laughs> the big facts. Big facts. Big um, facts. All right. So government shutdown. Everyone's been talking about this um, since we here are based in the illustrious city of Hyattsville, Maryland, close <laughs> to the District of Columbia. Um, this is a big issue here. So it's not when they say government shutdown. It's actually you know to get into the weeds. It's a partial shutdown. Um, you know, certain um, government departments like defense, they're still getting funding. But others, you know, which you would assume are minor, like, you know, parks and recreation, they're not getting funded. Um, as we're recording this, the government shutdown has lasted 19 days. The longest. 20. In, no, it's 19 as of today. 21 is the longest in history, unless I'm getting my dates mixed up. At, look, oh, no, you're right. Because we. Today yeah, marks yeah, 20. Yeah. So today marks 20. So tomorrow. By the time y'all hear this, this will, will be in the longest government shutdown ever. 800 federal workers across the country have been furloughed or, excuse me, are working without pay. Um, I think we often hit on that part, but I think there's a whole bunch of interesting things in which people don't think about, like, what people don't think about government services in terms of day to day. Like, small businesses are also hurt as government approvals for products and assistance is on hold. So, like, if you had a business and you had, and you wanted to get a licensing approval, um, to release a new product that would help, you know, innovate your company and grow your small business, that approval process would be on hold. You can't get an approval for your new product, so you can't feature it in your business. Bloomberg estimates that contractors, so if Henry had, um, if you made shirts that were used for TSA workers, um, they're not funded, so you might not be able to get that contract. They're losing up to $200 million a day. And unlike federal workers, they can't get that money back in back pay because they're contracted. Um, food stamps and big thing, oh, Henry, watch out, uh, <laughs> tax returns and tax refunds might be delayed and TSA workers may go on strike. Um, there've been reports that TSA workers are not showing up. So, but wait, isn't the IRS still funded? I don't think so. I think that's the whole issue of why tax returns and refunds like would be released at a later date, either because they're not fully funded or the level in which funds they need to do that work they don't have enough okay because like we was talking about it today and um 
she was saying how she has a big tax bill, so I just assumed the IRS was still. I, I mean, I need my money, baby. I, you know, tricks better have. Uh, I don't know because I, last year I they fooled that, me, and I had to. You know, but, I know what that office is. <laughs> What's up? But no, oh, like I guess, like the longer the shutdown lasts, the worse it affects people. So, like for instance, one of the first few days, the FDA, if people don't know the Food and Drug Administration, mm-hmm. they had to stop their routine inspections. We just had. You uh, might be eating, eating pork salmonella. No, no, and you don't even know because that's what I was about to say. Like we just had a um, lettuce outbreak yeah, a couple weeks yeah, ago. We're These people, lettuce. you know, what? What? I can't even go buy fresh vegetables and stuff. Why my bread got grown? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? On it. And this is way more interesting too because, like, if they don't open by next by the 18th, January 18th, um, federal district courts run out of funding. So that basically oh, means that civil cases. Are either going to be postponed or suspended. You can't file a new case. Some criminal matters still may be in action, but like basically the guy, they ain't going to, courts is going to shut down. Like that's crazy to me. Like what? Over a wall, bro. So I think that's the most interesting thing. This whole thing. Over a wall. And if, wait, this is my bigger, not even a bigger, bigger but no, if you want to like see the actual like breakdowns of, day by day what's happening the new york times does a great mm-hmm. job of like breaking it down the article is entitled see how the effects of the government shutdown are piling yeah. up and i encourage you to go read that it's actually really because it. it's like little things that you didn't Did, won't even think, think about think you about. won't even think about like each day is an uh, agency closes or this happens right. like tomorrow prosecutors at aso downtown won't have a paycheck federal workers will not get paid tomorrow yeah, and, and that's then, happening to like close it, to, and it's not even tomorrow. It's the kind of thing of like, don't you know, like how you get paid for the week that you did, yeah, like but, two weeks like ago, bi-weekly, like weekly, you know what I'm saying? So basically, that means that the next check that they would be eligible to receive would be in two weeks on the 25th. And if the government doesn't open by that time, they won't get paid again again two weeks later. So it's crazy to me that you know, no, and that's what was shocked because like Kamala Harris, she posted or reposted CNN. Like, it's it's just crazy how this affects people. So, like, I'm about to share two stories. So, like, one, I just briefly passed my newspaper today, and the main article on there was, like, how farmer ran out of seeds. Mm-hmm. And because of some agriculture. Yeah, I think department, you're right. Yeah, the whatever. Yeah. they not receiving funding. So, yeah, because people get has like, yeah, no income. A lot of farmers get crops, or like they get subsidies, the, right? And the thing I was talking about from Kamala Harris, uh, I'm trying to say that name right. Don't get it right. Anyway, um, she had retweeted where like it was an article of this minority family. Let's just leave the race up mm. in the air. Um, and the lady was basically like, "I pay my bills for December, but I don't know how I'm paying my bills for January because there's not another check coming in." It's just like, again, yeah, that it's like the real world. Not, like this is like real. This is like real. Like yeah. it's almost. It's not even almost. It's very eye opening. Yeah, it's I very mean, very eye opening. And I think it says that you know, if a lot of people in this country, even though you are a federal worker, if you're a contractor, if you're a TSA worker, a lot of people can't miss a paycheck and i think it, it points to like a sad economic reality that a lot of people have that i think people in washington can it's like easy to say like hey 800 people don't have a paycheck but like not if you don't have savings if you're living check to check 
if you don't have a check, that affects you. That affects your rent. That can affect you getting to work. Right. Like that can affect you doing a whole bunch of other things. Like if you don't pay your rent or you can't pay your bills, you might. That can be the last straw. You can get evicted from your place, or you can get a low. Your your credit score can plummet. All these like day to day. Thank God for private practice. Oh wow, soapbox. I didn't mean to do that. No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I think, but I think, like you said, like I'm just saying, because that's my field of what our field of work. My, you was just. <laughs> don't worry about me. I'm good. I Bro, I'm that. just saying this is like it's, mean, it's, it's it sad. It's sad. Home. It's sad. And it I think it's home. And I think it's sad to know. Um, I mean, you know, I'm sure everyone who's probably listening to this knows, but the origin of this, of course, is that. Um, Trump said that he would not sign any legislation of funding the government that did not include more than $5 billion for a border wall. And I think that... I thought Mexico was playing for it. Apparently not. Apparently we get in the bill. Um, so that's because... <laughs> so that's caused a friction um, with legislators, as we said, the new Congress and the House of Representatives, with new leader Lance Pelosi, who's Speaker of the House, um, represents the Democrats. They have no incentive to basically say, hey, we're going to give you a border wall for something that a is not going to be that effective and two you're backing down on a promise that you told everyone that you were going to make and say that hey we're not going to pay for this and like oh, you got to talk about his stuff the other what he was talking about the other day oh so trump gave a speech the other day about I, this right about this i was going to have a clip and i was going to be really sarcastic the clip was going to be my fellow Americans, I'm here to talk about a crisis, and I was going to stop it. No, he didn't oh, and I guess this, he this brand, anything. I got a notification today on my phone around, like, let's just say 5.30, 5.45, where Trump and his administration is trying to declare this uh, uh, a, right. a national emergency so, to build this wall. What the heck? What? If I have not seen abusive power ever? So I think here's, like, the here's the background. So basically... I think Trump and the administration knows that Congress is not going to do this. At least Republicans are too skittish about it. Well, since you're bringing up Congress, and, uh, we got to bring up another point, but go ahead. All right, yeah, we do. And then, so basically, Trump is trying to use any power that he can to basically do this through his own, because he's the administrator of the government. He executes the law. Narcissistic. Mother. Oh, wait, see? <laughs> I, I, um, so, you're yeah, right, so. You're right, you're right. So we'll keep we'll keep you all posted on this because in talking to people, no, that but I you know, said Congress. We got no. I'm I'm I'm, oh, I'm, I'm trying to finish oh, the point. I thought you was about to go to the next big fat. I'm a chef. You gotta <laughs> let me cook. Um, I think the next the next the State of the Union. I think on the 29th. I think we're just and we're probably gonna do a response to that. But we will still be. My prediction is we will still. I think be talking about the government shutdown by then, which is which is sad. Terrible. So on to Congress, like Henry was saying. Um, yeah. Henry and I have been really um, aggressive ever since last. Oh no, mid-less. I was talking about. Oh, said, oh no, no, what no, were you no. talking about? That's what, I was, that's what I was like. My bad. So when I was referring to Congress, oh, within the government shutdown, I'm, I, my question that's pondering on the back of my mind is like, can't Congress do a veto override? With this is like the most annoying thing is that the Senate Republicans who really like hold all the cards, um, because like Democrats control the House, so they can get through it, whatever the legislation they want. But then for for a, a piece of legislation to go through the Senate to the president, it has to get people from both parties. So Republican senators are basically saying like, oh, it would be an overstep for us to veto the president. And it's like, dude, that's your job. Like you don't have to, that's dumb. So basically Republicans in the Senate are acting like they, 
they're basically acting like the Constitution does not grant them the power to veto, to override a president's veto because they're basically scared that Trump is going to, pardon my language, he's going to bitch at them. And then they're going to be too afraid that they can't win in their states because tr- they know that Trump's more popular than them. So basically, basically Republicans in the Senate are being scared. It's power trip. It's, it's about a power trip in the sense, yeah, it's a power trip because it's not a power struggle because the Republicans in the Senate are basically saying, we don't want to step out. We don't want to step out by ourselves and override him and him get all pissy at us because we know that we can't handle the pressure of him getting mad at us. So that's basically the equivalent of if you did something and as co-hosts and I was like, oh, I don't want to step on Henry's toes. Like, no, I can bring it up. We're co-hosts. Like, there we're even though the executive branch, which is the president, has a lot more kind of day-to-day functional powers. The legislative branch does have tools to override a president. They have vetoes. They're the ones who can enact a law. They can send laws back. They can override a veto. The president, in turn, can just sit on the veto and send it right back, but they need like a two-thirds. They need two-thirds to override it. So it's kind of like do your job. Right. So I just brought that up because I just wanted to have like an educational moment on the podcast because I've seen a few people like saying some very like uneducated things on Twitter. So I just wanted to bring it up on the podcast. So yeah, thanks for clear clearing it up for us. That the more you know. Yeah, dun, dun, more dun. You know. So to the next big fat. So speaking of members of Congress, Henry and I, like I said earlier, we've been very um encouraged by the new members of Congress that we've seen. I think we've always tried to talk about new members that we've seen, whether it's um Ayanna Prezi, Lucy McBath. Um, especially all the women, um, and I think that that was beautiful. You know, when they were getting, um, yeah, it was nice. They were that, getting like actually like sworn in, sworn in. That's what I was yeah. looking for. No, I mean it's it, that it, was nice. Yeah, it was basically good seeing like young women, young of color women, from every background. and it was so, like that's what I was gonna say. So much diversity, yeah. it was amazing. Um, yeah. So I think we were always interested in like their stories and their campaigns, but I think. Um, <laughs> I was personally interested to see how they were going to come into the Congress and actually govern and legislate. And it's in the literal sense of the word, they're keeping that same energy and Keep that same energy. energy. Yeah. And we'll, we'll play a clip and then I'll explain it on the back end. We're going to go in there. We're going to impeach the mother. Okay. Oh, tell me how you really feel. So um, that was Rashida Tlaib. Um, she is a new congresswoman from um, Michigan's, I think her 13th, their 13th district, which is basically Det- inner city Detroit and Detroit suburbs. And Detroit suburbs. Um, basically, if you didn't hear clearly what she said at a speech, she basically said with regard to Trump, we're going to go in there and we're going to impeach the motherfucker. That's that energy. That's, I mean, you know. And, <laughs> and I think what drove me off the wall was that I think people were like, oh, the language that she used. But I think one, it's it's that's what I was like. That's what I go. You can go ahead, yeah. but my little side no, comment no, is no, that's no. what I like about like the new Congress people or whatever congressmen, women, whatever we're gonna call them. The fact that they got this young, authentic, genuine energy, and we're just gonna tell you what it is. Like we're not gonna beat around the bush and play this political game that you old heads are used to playing. Yeah, and I think that what it drove me off the wall was you know when. It was the same people, and granted, like probably her word choice probably wasn't the best, but and, right, I, and I think right, that right. Um, the same people who are saying how could she use such language are the same ones who defended Trump when he called NFL players sons of bitches, and that be the stupid stuff. Yeah, that what I'm saying, like, like, what you gonna say? What, 
what side of the street you gonna stand right. on, bro? You right. know what I'm saying? Like you're you, trying to have it both ways, you but can't. like you've been on record both times saying two different things. Exactly. And I think that one, I think it's important when people who were talking about her comments didn't understand her properly. She campaigned on this stuff, so she's still being authentic to her message. But also, she and um, oh my gosh, um, Omar, the congresswoman from Minnesota, they're the first two female Muslims in Congress, and I think that that has a different level of connection to it if you feel me like if you're running for congress and you literally see someone talking about oh we're going to ban people from muslim countries and you are a muslim in congress you have a different connection to his bigotry you have a different connection to what basically the shit that he says so i think that that's really interesting um ilhan omar thank you henry my researcher extraordinaire the, the goat um so i just think it's interesting and i think what I think I was most fascinated by was that um, Rashida Tlaib, she defended her comments. She did not apologize for her comments, but she said um, in an interview, she said, I'm only going to apologize for being a distraction on the issues that I truly campaigned about, like to help us. Um, Which is like you said, that's authentic as hell, where it's like, I'm not going to apologize for what I said. I'm going to apologize for the word choice that I use and that I brought the attention to myself. How I said it. I'm not going to apologize for what what I I said. said, I meant that. Right, but I'm going to apologize for how I said it. Right, and that I put the spotlight on myself when I meant to spotlight all the crazy shit that he's done and how we can change it. Right. And I think that you wouldn't have gotten that out of someone who's been in Congress for 10 years. Mm -hmm. They would have been like, oh, I'm sorry I used that word choice. It would have been some watered down... Yeah. So she's the first... um, Shout out to uh, two-time guest of this podcast, Jalil Speaks, his favorite person. Um, right. Alan Candia, of course. He's going to some pace, though. Yeah, 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 hey, yeah, go yeah. check my man's out, though. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Horton. I believe that. <laughs> Next. Um, so, she's a vocal new member who's been um, a frequent target of us conservatives, um, who are frankly just kind of criticized Everything about her from like her upbringing, bro, her finances, bro. When I seen the articles about her finances, I'm like, really? Yeah. And really, a right wing blog I think published, and they took it down, like fake nude pictures of her, but they took it down today. Um, so I think we're we're gonna play the clip, and then I think we're gonna talk about it on the back end before we get into the last thing. Don't talk about President Trump very much. No. Why? No. Because I think he's a symptom of a problem. What do you mean? The president certainly didn't invent racism, but he's certainly given a voice to it and expanded it and created a platform for those things. Do you believe President Trump is a racist? Yeah, yeah, no question. How can you say that? When you look at the words that he uses, which are historic dog whistles of white supremacy, when you look at how he reacted to the Charlottesville incident where neo-Nazis murdered a woman versus how he manufactures crises like immigrants seeking legal refuge on our borders, it's it's night and day. In response, the White House deputy... Boom. Hmm. No, I agree with everything she just said because it's like that's exactly like and that's what like throw me off when people say, Oh my god, he's not a racist. Or like Stephen Steve Stephen Steve King. Stephen King, now I was about to say Mark. But yeah, Stephen King, like him. Congressman from Iowa. Yeah, he um I he guess was like the OG. That's what I'm saying. And then he went on record the other day saying that he wasn't a racist. I'm like, how do you 
how in this day and age you use certain rhetoric rhetoric make certain choices don't like certain people have certain prejudices and the list could go on and on and you don't consider yourself a racist i think yeah i think the issue is twofold i think that one um i think people people one they try to take so much offense in the word in the sense that like if i'm calling someone else who is not even you a racist you're like well uh like they try to i think unnecessarily justify it and you can't and what why and the only and my thing is you're offended because you may have some some of the similar, similar views, views. On lesson, right and i think that also i think it's a job that is not particularly done by the media and that i think that after she after she said yeah after um alexander ocasio Cortez says like yeah he's a racist his anderson cooper the interviewer's response was well, like, why do you think that? He's a which is what, which is a dumb. That's, that's a dumb follow. That's a dumb, but that's a dumb follow up question. It is a dumb follow up from, from like question. a respected journalist. That's a bad follow up question to basically say. Well, why do you think that? It's not in the sense of like, oh, okay, like, well, this is a bad follow up question in terms of like, okay, well, tell me why. Yeah, like what. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah, it like, is. Like, defend why you think he I is. I feel like... Which is just, like, it's just not an intelligent way to have the conversation when everything is clearly plastered on the wall. Like, he knows better than to ask that question. And you're, like, a, a accredited journalist or whatever. On you, 60 Minutes. And why are you asking these baby behind questions? Like, what... My I don't know. My thing is, a lot of media and, like, they were... When he was doing his little speech, they, they were like... Um, Boycott primetime TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the media definitely gives him way too much attention, and they play it in a way of, "Oh, we don't know any better," but but you do. You guys give him a platform to say what he wants to do. He want. You don't have to publish that stuff. And if you do publish it, you could put it in a matter of like, call it like it is. Yeah, instead of like, I sounding more favorable to what he's doing. I think. I think people, especially in like DC, like media, which like drives me crazy. People try to be balanced just for the sake of being balanced. That's annoying. If that makes sense. It's like, I'm going to try to tell both sides of this issue, which you should. You should always present both sides of a story, but I'm going to give like ideological, like, thought to both sides, even though this one side might be so damn crazy. Right. Like, like if I okay, Steve King just said like, oh, we need to get all these welfare queens out of here, and then someone's basically going to say, this is like the reason why all this shit he said is crazy. But here's the reasons why what he said might not be, and they and they and they give those an equal platform instead of saying, here's all the reasons why he's crazy, one through ten, and here's one reason to even like consider what he said. Mm-hmm. And, but they treat it as if Trump doing natural things, and Trump being a racist. They give those the same amount of light. So basically, if you're a natural observer, you're like, oh, well, two people on both sides. Right. Not all of Trump's previous history. And then you say, why is Trump a racist? Like, that's just a bad. Yeah. That's just a bad question. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. <sighs> next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this is, I think, we're going to oh, try to take a next. very. No, I think we're going to try to take a really interesting stab at this. I think. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the R. Kelly situation. Not, I'm not, no, I'm not the even called it. The Surviving R. Kelly docu series that yeah, was released or, early, like, early 
this year. January. And I was gonna say I'm not six I'm not even gonna, series. Yeah. Um I'm not gonna call it a situation because I think that gets in because then that plays into what I think we're gonna talk about. Uh-huh. Um what are kind of your big because we've been going kind of back and forth and I think we've been trying to have a smart conversation about this because I think that we've seen you especially um you've seen how social media can react to stuff and I think that's to me that's a really interesting thing because I think it's a good place to elevate an issue but it's a bad place to let that conversation linger for too long because it often gets away from what truly matters I think and I know you felt that and that's what kind of like that's how I feel. I didn't watch the docu-series. I have no intention on watching the docu-series if I'm being very clear and upfront I'm about it. I don't have lifetime, but I don't, I really don't watch it. <laughs> um, but point of me saying that is like the reaction on social media to me, a 23-year-old male who was born in 1995, who was very familiar with R. Kelly, some situations he've had or could have had or whatever. And I'm just like, y'all acting like this is novel information. It's not. And that's my thing about when you give certain subjects a platform to be discussed because especially something as touchy and crucial or like harm, like this subject is very like, uh, it's a vulnerable topic. Yeah. And you can't just speak openly about it without offending someone or triggering Or without exposing yourself. Right. So it's like, how do you speak about it, you know? And my whole thing is a lot of the reactions on my timeline on Twitter is, oh, he canceled. He did it. I can't believe this. He's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. This is terrible. Valid points. Yeah, this is disgusting, but... What's next? Yeah, like, one, what is this really going to do? What is the rehabilitation to this? Because you release a docuseries, it triggers a whole lot of people, it triggers a lot of reactions, whatever the case may be, and now you have people just talking about it. What's being done to ensure that this same behavior isn't, like, mirrored or, you know what I'm saying, repeated? What's being done to ensure that victims who have been caught up in these situations are healing and moving on from them situations and not like being traumatized by this and wanting like death threats, right? Which is what's happened to some of the victims. You know what I'm saying? Or like anything. Like it's just it's so such a large spectrum of how this can be talked about. But me plainly stating, I think that this could have been done in a better progressive manner. Yeah. Um, my follow-up, do you think in terms of better progressive manner, do you mean like in terms of like the response or just kind of like the the, the actual substantive like video kind of So again, I didn't watch the docuseries, right. but you so I don't know. Like but like speaking to a friend, Mackenzie, our executive producer, she said like each day was supposed to have a theme of, how like the justice system plays a part in how it all just trickles out. And I mean, if that's the case, then that could have been cool because then you provide details of to why this is happening. So now we, okay, we need to hold these certain people accountable yeah. and ensure that their jobs are actually being done in an adequate manner. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen any of that besides like, 
Okay, and it sparked the uh, criminal investigation in Georgia, where like yeah. where he was having like that process, like that holding people against their will, right? Allegedly, because we don't know. Well, I I think look, I no, say that no, for the benefit of the no. doubt of somebody hearing this, and you were saying that I accused somebody of something because that's no. what his manager is saying that this whole thing was basically defamatory. So but again, think, I'm yeah, no, speaking, no, I, I'm speaking like a true lawyer, a true professional. I, I agree. I I don't agree. I'll say that. I think that. I think it's hard because I think that even to this day, I think the conversation around him is slowly beginning to change in the sense of like, like I was talking to my father. It's like you know, it goes from, oh, like he, you know, you know, R. Kelly has his has his issues, but if you say issues, if I said, oh, you know. Henry's got some issues. Mm-hmm. That just means he might be just going through some shit. Mm-hmm. Personally, he's not f- having sex with underage women. No, that's no, a but, problem. No, but yes, and I think that we have to change our conversation in the terms of saying like, oh, you know, like I was about to say, like the R. Kelly situation. Like, no, it's not a situation. The dude is a predator. He's. I agree, and I think that. I think it's hard because I think that for his lawyer to say that. It's I can't even say the word. It's defamatory, right? Defamatory. Defamatory. It's like that's that's a good claim for you and your client, but all of this stuff has been legally documented multiple times. It can be defamatory if it's true. And I think that even when we get into the point where it's like it's alleged, I think that's still maybe just because like I'm not thinking about it from like a legalistic perspective like you are. I think that it's like, oh, you know. It's alleged. Like, it ain't confirmed. Like, he's paying people off. That's an admission of guilt. In my mind, I can't say, like, it's alleged. He did it. All of that is arguing. And I, to each his own. And I think that that's, I think, where I'm at with the conversation. And I think that's just like, and in, again, in general, that's why I said, that's why I'm like, everyone's at a different place with it. Exactly. And I think that, exactly. And, and that's I think that why people I, are pressured to get to a certain and point, And that's which my is big, which that's is the question. Like, you produced the docuseries. What is to come of this? If he, if this criminal investigation, which they are probably, they're, they're going gonna, to do. they're going, no, the investigation, which I can't remember the DA's name at this is that moment, but uh, said he had no comment when he was asked about it, but it's an open investigation. You're going to need some type of incriminating evidence to be the case because like, again, we've known about this for years. It's statute of limitations on this type of stuff. Each jurisdiction that is different. So again, yeah, I think yeah, I don't know I th- how I it's think, gonna play out. If he end up in jail, good. We call him a, pred- say, think, a pedophile. Yeah. He's locked up. He's behind bars. And now, how do we rehabilitate this issue to where we can stop it from happening and uh, and yeah. not just make it a controversial issue? Oh, this is the cool topic for right now. Even though I do think, I think the documentary is good. It's good, I think, if you if we think about it in a good way. It elevates an issue that needs to be talked about in terms of multiple ways. It like I think it brings up multiple things in terms of music industry, what fame does, how how fame protects you, how money protects you, right? How we as a culture protected protect him, him, right? Which because I think, now, which I think is right. why. I mean, we talked about it before, like the whole like mute R. Kelly, cancel R. Kelly. That's a very good thing as a culture to do in terms of like. 
But is and it really happening on the because surface, his screen, streams went up? That's what I'm saying. Like On the surface, it's good to say, like, hey, we don't support that. But if you're not have doing to, it on the back end. Because we knew about this a long time ago. That's what I'm saying. Like, what's the right. point of having this reactionary moment right now when we we knew this years ago? You could have stopped listening to his music, going to concerts, doing whatever. So I think the I just think the whole right. And I think the whole thing is that I think even though like the consumer the, the consumer is no doubt put in a hard place, but I think everyone everyone has somewhat of a role in this as like a collective. Mm-hmm. And I think that it requires every, every person, it's like a it personal requires everyone, everyone in the system needs to like, not only like think about that, but also like how we can all improve to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. Cause right. I think that if that, if, if all this would have happened today, this would have been like totally different because it happened so long ago. It's hard to like, bring it up and kind of deal with it and rehash it yeah. because the culture is in a different place than it was clearly 10, 20 years ago. Right. So that's our, that's our, that's, that's that. our stat. And I'm going to just throw this out there for y'all. Um, at the Sundance film this summer, they're supposed to release a surviving Michael Jackson, um, docuseries. So hmm. we'll talk about it. We'll, let's see how this plays out. All right, so, you know what I'm saying? We're about to wrap it up for y'all. Heads up. Heads up. So, hmm. Let's just, we're going to do it like this. Okay. Apparently, you said you were going to make a decision after the holidays as okay. to whether you were going to run for a president. So, I'm supposed to ask you, are you running? <laughs> so, I'm pleased to announce on The View that I'm not ready to make my announcement. Ah! She fooled us all! Nah. But she's supposed to make her announcement close to Martin Luther King Day. Who is she? Um, Kamala Harris, Howard alum, maybe our next president. You know what I'm saying? Hey, and if you're into all the books and all that, go check out her new memoir, The Truth We Hold. Uh, she just dropped that. She's doing like a little press tour right now. So yeah. check it out. Penguin Publishing, we expect a direct deposit for referencing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so I think. Uh, one of our big things in our last podcast about what's coming in 2019, we said in the first couple months, everybody's going to be making plays. Yep. So, yeah, um, it's coming. And once she does, Cory Booker's is coming. And that's what's going to be bad because the thing about this is you that's what happened with the last election. It was too many pick me's, pick me's. We trying to do this for ourselves, and then we got Trump. Right. The Democratic Party have to work together. Because if we don't... He's going to win again. If we don't... Henry's moving to Canada. Oh, I'm getting... I don't hear I can't... I'm a grown man now. The stuff he doing actually affect me. Yeah. It ain't play... Nah. Not I said the food, but... Anyway. Next. Be on the lookout for that. We'll talk about that. Um, Jamit... What's her name? Good lord. Um, so Jamel Hill, Henry sent me this. Um, so obviously she was a former ESPN Sports Center co-host. Uh, Y'all Michael better Smith. know who she is. She been popping last year. She been she was out there last year. Yeah. So she was very vocal on Sports Center about Kaepernick, about I think bridging the gap and what I think is probably Trump, all of that. Yeah, and I think bridging the gap between race and sports, and which has always been there, but bringing it up and making sure people knew that. 
economics, race, class, they all play a part in sports. Um, so now she's a writer for the Atlantic and does really smart stuff over there. So she's going to team up with, um, with Spotify to do a podcast called Unbothered, which is going to talk on pretty much what she made her claim on sports, culture, music, race. So you're keeping class. it real. So that's going to be exciting because I know I think she's she does it in a way in which no one else really can in the sense of she ties music to sports, sports to class, class to music, music to race. Kind of like what we do for them, how we tie politics to social issues to music to just culture. I mean, Spotify said they sent me an email, baby. I'm just waiting. I you mean, know, we can wait on our ch- I replied and it bounced back, so that's not a good sign. <laughs> So be on the lookout for that. I think that's supposed to drop oh, in the next yeah. anyway, couple of months. And Henry, this, is this is exciting. Little, uh, so the little um, clip or snippet or whatever you want to call it, it dropped for Little, the movie, produced by the youngest producer ever in Hollywood. And, of course, she's black. Y'all probably know her as the little girl from Diane on Blackish. Her name is Marseille Martin. Um, at the age of 14, she she came up with this idea herself, and she's executively, executively producing, and like she's starring in the main key role, like, bro, she on board, you know what I'm saying? Again, her name is Marseille Martin. For the record, Henry had like veins popping out of his neck. Was I was, a, no, I'm really excited, because I literally was thinking to myself, like, just, I like the show Black and you know, uh, Yari Sahidi doing her thing, and yeah. I was like, you know, it only be like one little black kid that makes it to stardom. I wonder what the other kids are doing. And then boom, boom, she just popped up. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. okay. It also has Issa Rae and um, Regina Hall. And do you know what's surprising about Regina Hall? She bad, but like her roles throughout the years have like just transitioned, and she's a more respectable. She actor always. Now. I mean, that's what everyone says that she's like the best supporting actress like ever. Cause she's never playing like the main character. She's always like she the did side. a girls trip. Yeah, and this one she's kind of the main character, but she get kicked out. There it is. <laughs> so that was episode twenty two. We're gonna try to be back. We're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna convince Henry to do a, a reaction to the State of the Union. Even no, he not gonna want to. Nope. Episode twenty two. Check nope. us out. SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, subscribe, listen, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that. All that. Get at us.